0: This is a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. In the year preceding the 1860 presidential election, visiting politicians kept the people in Kansas' territory informed about what was happening in national politics, as well as providing entertainment, often speaking for several hours. Abraham Lincoln visited Kansas only once, in late 1859, six months before he received the Republican Party's nomination for president. Lincoln was renowned for his storytelling and his ability to state complex issues in language that everyone could understand. He spoke briefly at the Great Western Hotel in Elwood in Doniphan County, his first Kansas stop, on November 30th. Next he spoke in the courthouse in Troy and Alo's Hotel in Doniphan. Albert D. Richardson traveled to Troy to hear Lincoln speak.
1: In the imaginative language of the frontier, Troy was a town, possibly a city. But save a shabby frame courthouse, a tavern, and a few shanties, its urban glories were visible only to the eye of faith. It was intensely cold. The sweeping prairie wind rocked the crazy buildings and cut the faces of travelers like a knife. Mr. Wilder froze his hand during our ride and Mr. Lincoln's party arrived wrapped in buffalo robes. Not more than 40 people assembled in that little, bare-walled courthouse. There was none of the magnetism of a multitude to inspire the long, angular, ungainly orator who rose up behind a rough table. With little gesticulation and tone, he argued the question of slavery in the territories in the language of an average Ohio or New York farmer. I thought... The Illinoisans consider this a great man. Their ideas must be very peculiar. But in 10 or 15 minutes, I was unconsciously and irresistibly drawn to the clearness and closeness of his argument. Link after link, it was forged and welded like a blacksmith's chain. He made few assertions, but merely asked questions. Is not this true? If you admit that fact, is not this induction correct? give him his premises and his conclusions were inevitable as death. His fairness and candor were very noticeable. He ridiculed nothing, burlesqued nothing, misrepresented nothing. So far from distorting the views held by Mr. Douglas and his adherents, he stated them with more strength probably than any one of their advocates could have done. Then very modestly and courteously he inquired into their soundness. He was too kind for bitterness and too great for vituperation.
0: Lincoln's next stop was the Methodist Church in Atchison. One member of the committee that hosted Lincoln's visit to Atchison was Franklin G. Adams, who became the first secretary of the Kansas Historical Society in 1876. Adams later recorded some of his memories of Lincoln's visit.
2: I had first seen Mr. Lincoln and heard him talk in Atchison in 1859. He was not then popularly known in Kansas. He was known to be a candidate for the nomination in 1860 as president. The people of Kansas were for William H. Seward. Seward had fought our battles in the United States Senate. He was the idol of our people. Yet Lincoln was greatly admired for his noble defense of our free state cause and his great debate with Douglas in 1858. He was taken to our best hotel, the Massasoit House, and a good many of the citizens came into the hotel office to shake hands with him and to hear him talk. He was soon started, with his chair tipped up, and among the first to engage in conversation with him was Colonel P.T. Abel, the head and the brain of the pro-slavery party in our town and largely in the territory. Both had been Kentuckians. Abel knew many citizens of Illinois who had moved there from Kentucky. The two immediately found mutual acquaintances about whom they could converse, and Lincoln began to tell stories relating incidents in the lives of Illinois Kentuckians. I still remember the appearance of Mr. Lincoln as he walked up the aisle on entering the church and took his place on the pulpit stand. He was awkward and forbidding, but it required but a few words for him to dispel the unfavorable impression, and he was listened to with the deepest of interest by every member of the audience. I have mentioned the attachment of the people of Kansas for William H. Seward. Our own local paper, The Atchison Champion, of which John A. Martin was the editor, made no mention of Mr. Lincoln's presence in Atchison at that time. Martin was wrapped up in Seward and could not brook the thought of any encouragement or countenance given by the people of Atchison to a rival candidate.
0: On December 3rd, Lincoln journeyed on to Leavenworth, where he stayed with longtime acquaintance, Mark Delahaye, and his wife, who was a distant relative. Delahaye introduced Lincoln when he spoke at length there that night. Afterward, Lincoln was asked to speak again on Monday night. Daniel Valentine was among the crowd of people who heard Lincoln speak both nights. Valentine, a young lawyer and surveyor who had recently moved from Fontenelle, Iowa, to Leavenworth, recorded his impressions of Lincoln's speeches in these excerpts from his diary.
3: Saturday, December 3rd, 1859. Went to the Lincoln's reception at Mansion House. He is an old man, tall, slim and awkward, and farmer-looking. Colonel Vaughn made reception speech, and Lincoln replied in a few remarks. There were quite a number out, perhaps 500. Went at night to hear Honorable Abe Lincoln make a speech. Stockton's hall was crammed full, all parties out. The old man spoke two hours. It was a sound, deep, and logical speech. He is not eloquent like Burlingame. His language is not so beautiful. His periods not so nicely turned. His gestures not so graceful. His hands were placed one on the other and both on his belly at the commencement. Toward the conclusion, he kept them on his groins or upper part of his thighs, one on each thigh most of the time. He occasionally made gestures with his hands. He is not poetical, he states everything fairly. His forte is, after stating his opponent's views and arguments fairly and justly, to reduce those views and arguments to a palpable absurdity, and to show them in a ridiculous and ludicrous light. The points he touched on were as ably handled as I have ever heard or seen them handled. I think it is as able a speech as I ever heard. He had a few notes to look at, The first part of his speech was historical to show that the fathers of the Republic thought slavery very wrong. The most of his speech was in opposition to popular sovereignty and those that think slavery a matter of indifference. Monday, December 5th, 1859. Went to hear Honorable Abe Lincoln make another speech. He has the actions of a Kentuckian. He aims to say something funny, but he does not try to use beautiful language. He got off several good hits. His language is his own and original. Does all Kentucky orators try to say something funny?
0: Fortunately, parts of Lincoln's December 3rd speech were published in the Leavenworth newspaper. Lincoln believed that history showed that the authors of the U.S. Constitution viewed slavery as evil and intended with their laws to halt its spread into new territories and hasten its demise. Therefore, the preference of the Kansas-Nebraska Act for popular sovereignty, allowing each state to vote on the slavery issue, derailed the intent of the framers of the Constitution. In Lincoln's
4: words, Ladies and gentlemen, you are as yet the people of a territory, but you probably soon will be the people of the State of the Union. Then you will be in possession of new privileges, and new ideas will be upon you you will have to bear a part in all that pertains to the administration of the national government. That government from the beginning has had, has now, and must continue to have, a policy in relation to domestic slavery. It cannot, if it would, be without a policy upon that subject, and must, of necessity, take one of two directions. It must deal with the institution as being wrong or as not being wrong you the people of kansas furnished the example of the first application of this new policy at the end of about five years after having almost continual struggles fire and bloodshed over this very question and after having framed several state constitutions you have at last secured a free state constitution under which you will probably be admitted into the union you have at last at the end of all this difficulty attained what we, in the old Northwest Territory, attained without any difficulty at all. Compare, or rather contrast, the actual working of this new policy with that of the old, and say whether, after all, the old way, the way adopted by Washington and his compeers, was not the better.
0: John Brown was executed in Virginia for treason on December 2nd, the day before Lincoln's speech. Lincoln drew an analogy between the pro-slavery state's threat to fracture the Union and John Brown's raid on Harpers Ferry.
4: Do the Republicans declare against the Union? Nothing like it. Your own statement of it is that if the black Republicans elect a president, you won't stand it. You will break up the Union. That will be your act, not ours. To justify it, you must show that our policy gives you just cause for such desperate action. Can you do that? When you attempt it, you will find that our policy is exactly the policy of the men who made the Union. Nothing more and nothing less. Do you really think you were justified to break up the government rather than have it administered by Washington and other good and great men who made it and first administered it? Old John Brown has just been executed for treason against a state. We cannot object even though he agreed with us in thinking slavery wrong. That cannot excuse violence, bloodshed, and treason. It could avail him nothing that he might think of himself right. So if constitutionally we elect a president, and therefore you undertake to destroy the Union, it will be our duty to deal with you as old John Brown has been dealt with. We shall try to do our duty. We hope and believe that in no section Will a majority so act as to render such extreme measures necessary?
0: The Leavenworth paper concluded, truly never did a man win the affections of an audience so completely as did Mr. Lincoln on Saturday night. In conjunction with the 200th anniversary of Abraham Lincoln's birth, the current issue of Kansas History Magazine, includes a lengthy analysis of Lincoln's 1859 speaking tour in Kansas, and the Kansas Museum of History features a Lincoln in Kansas exhibit. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are from Kansas Memory, a virtual repository of primary sources from our collections. The URL for this website is www.kansasmemory.org.